Hi, this is Mark Myers, the director of My Friend Dahmer. We summon the darkness and human capital, and you're listening to the Horror Squad podcast. podcast tonight we're gonna to be talking about the turning special shout out to our taiwanese listeners uh our friends over in taiwan we appreciate you listening and next week we're gonna be talking about one of your top horror movies uh, so stay tuned for that it's uh joe steve and myself todd tonight sam is once again not with us but we're still doing trivia and steve i know we have an interview after who, who we got we we got mark Mayers, who directed uh my friend Dahmer, and he directed We Summoned the Darkness, and it was a really uh, great interview, super, super nice guy, and uh, yeah, so at the end of the episode, you can listen to that, and it's it's awesome, worth checking out. Very cool. What are you boys drinking tonight? Um, I have a pompous ass English ale, <laughs> <laughs> is the, the name of my beer tonight, and this one actually looks good, so there's no like funky stuff in there, so looking forward to it. And I am just drinking some uh, vodka? With uh, some cranberry juice, lime juice, and a splash of Mountain Dew. Nice. I am drinking a store brand uh, Coke knockoff. All right. So nothing special yeah, usually, for me today. Usually I uh, have to go to work right after this, but uh, since this all this corona stuff, my hours got cut back a little, so no work tonight, so I can enjoy a beverage while recording with you gents. You guys rocking any horror shirts? I am actually. I'm wearing this one's actually. It's uh, I, I found this on Facebook years ago, but it's Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddie with the Patriots logo going across it. Super random. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I got a um actually when I used to subscribe to Game Block or Video Game Block or whatever the Nerd Block version of video games were. Uh, it's a Last of Us shirt. So. Oh, the clicker? Yeah, the clicker that says caution. Like, yeah, I have that shirt too. Yeah, I love that's it. A, that's a good one. Uh, I'm currently wearing a Etsy bought Dawn of the Dead shirt with Flyboy on his knees, and it's one of my favorite shirts. It's pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. I'll need a picture of that. For sure. Um, all right. What do we got social media-wise? Uh, yeah, we got a few questions, and you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast, or you can send us an email at thehorrorsquadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we only had one question about the turning. I'm just going to ask it now, but we're not going to answer it till later in the review. came from Brian. He says, why was that ending such trash? And we'll definitely talk about that because that is a big part of, I think, a lot of people's feelings towards this particular movie. Uh, so yeah, so we'll definitely answer that later. Next one comes from Jedi Mind 1207 he says, thoughts on the movie The Fly. I love practical effects and Goldblum's uh, quirkiness. So what do you guys think of The Fly? I love it. I actually bought a Fright Rag shirt recently. Uh, it's a badass one. But uh, I, I love The Fly. It's one of my one of my favorites, no doubt about it. Uh, one of the rare instances where the remake is even better than the original. But I do enjoy the original, too, there with uh, Vincent Price. I've never seen the original. It's good. It's solid. It. I mean, it. it I mean, like I said, this. This is way better. This Goldblum one. Yeah, that. Um, 
that's like the king of body horror, the Skull Bloom one. He's he's so like sweaty and just nasty in it the entire time. It's and Gina Davis, she's good yeah. at it too. Yeah. But um, I always feel bad for the dude that gets his hand bit off because he wasn't really a bad guy. He was just trying to save her from a freaking fly man, and dude got his freaking <laughs> hand bit off. However, the sequel to it is hot shit. Uh, directed by Mick Garris, who's a, in my opinion, not the not the best director out there. No, I've actually never seen the sequel. It has a guy come back that got his hand bit off, and um, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, it's the baby, the love child of Gina Davis and Goldblum, shit like that. Or it's like I don't know, I forget, but it's pretty bad. There's a little voice and stuff. It's you just gotta watch to to know. All right. Yeah, this one of those movies that. I didn't hear a lot about for a long time, but now that Jeff Goldblum's kind of has a resurgence, people are talking about it a lot more, and I think that's great because it's a great movie. And uh, do check out the original as well uh, if you haven't. I think a lot of people don't even know there's the, this was uh, the Goldblum version is a remake. Um, but yeah, they're they're both good, but I do prefer the Goldblum version for sure. It's a great little film. Um, his next question is: anybody anybody watch Starry Eyes? That movie is insane. Yes, I have, and I that's a re- really good one as well. It, uh, I think I actually talked about it on the show like years ago when it first came out, but uh, yeah, really good flick. Personally, I've never seen that. It's always been on my queue, and I think it's on Shutter right now as well, or maybe Tubi, one of those. It's absolutely worth a watch. It's perfect, but it's it's definitely I've watched it a couple times, so worth multiple viewings. Uh, I haven't seen either, but I uh, will put it on my list, uh, which I'm starting to really knock off that list. So I'm uh, definitely going to put that one on and hopefully watch it soon enough. And his final question, uh, he says, I think we're overdue for a sex shop story. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks, Jedi Mind. Um, story? A sex shop story? Oh. <laughs> uh, he, he, clean up. <laughs> he, he seems to really enjoy those stories. He sends me messages about them. Um <laughs> One that I thought of is, so our store was so popular that we had to open a second store down the street just to keep up with demand. And we bought a much bigger space for the second store. And because of that, we needed to have kind of a bigger selection of items uh, versus movies because it was bigger. And the other store was more movies and a little bit of items, whereas this was going to be kind of really 50-50. So the owners tasked me with ordering and picking up everything for that store. And I you know, bought everything, went to get it, set it all up. And they didn't have like, anything to do with it. But they came for the opening. And they're walking in before the store opens. And they're looking around to see kind of what I picked up. And the head boss stops and picks up an item. And it's an inflatable uh, cow. And uh, this stupid inflatable cow thing, when you press the inside, like the back end, it would move. And he gave me the dirtiest fucking look ever. Like, what the fuck is this item and why did you put it in my store? He was almost kind of mad about it. Uh, And I told him, look, I I think this thing's going to sell. And then he gave me a look like I'm crazy. Sure enough, the very, very, very first customer that walks into that brand new store picks up that item and that is the first purchase we did uh he claims it was for a bachelor party which i heard 
all the time. People would always <laughs> kind of justify their purchases to me, uh, which is, I don't, like, I really didn't give a shit, but people felt that they needed to, and that was the first item he bought. So that was the inflatable cow, and please, anyone, never seek this thing out. It's really weird and gross, but I knew it would sell. That does sound like a nice, like, gag gift, though. It, it is, and that's why I yeah. bought it, because I knew bachelor parties, like, they look for that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we had an inflatable cow and an inflatable sheep, so... Yeah, it was really something else. Good time. Uh, you had guys justify it, but did you ever have dudes be like, oh, I can't wait to jerk off tonight? And... Oh, I, I've, I've seen, like, yeah, all the time. People would uh, describe, like, their experiences. And one one weird, really weird situation I had. Now, this didn't happen a lot, thankfully, but I had this really old regular, like, I think he was 82 or something, because I, I knew all their ages because the, the ID that they needed to rent stuff. And he was—he came all the time. And one time he came to the store, and there was this young guy. He came all the time. No, yeah, no. <laughs> not not that kind of guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so this this young guy was in the store. And he's acting a little weird, but people are always acting a little weird. And my the old guy comes. He he rents his five movies every week, and he leaves the store. And then the other young guy like runs after him, and I'm like, well, that's weird. So uh, I keep doing my thing and everything, and I. You know, don't think much of it. The guy doesn't come back into the store. A week later, when he comes back, he brings back these movies. Like, do you remember someone running after me after last week? I'm like, yeah, kind of. But yeah, that guy asked me if I wanted to have a jerk party with him. So, oh boy. yeah, it was. <laughs> I was thinking you're going to say like that was his dad. He like no, long no, lost no. dad. <laughs> oh yeah, no <laughs> jerk yeah, no, party. Yeah, you asked him to. He invited him to a jerk party. What's a jerk party? Is is it what I imagined to be? Just dudes jerking off. I guess so. I guess people watch movies together and just like, yeah, okay, circle right. jerk or whatever. <laughs> but I, I did have a few instances where people would kind of, you know, jerk in the store, like oh, kick, kick him oh. out and stuff. Yeah. Uh, one one particularly disgusting one. Uh, I I saw him because I had cameras right to the back of the store, and he was in the corner, kind of like standing there, and that's not normal. So I went, and sure enough, he's jerking off, and I kicked him out of the store. And we had an arcade right next door, so he went there. And went into one of those like you know like enclosed kind of machines, uh, but one of the guys that worked at my store also worked at the arcade and happened to be a chef. So I came out because there was no one else. It was in the summer, and I'm like talking to him about it. He's like, "Oh my god, I just kicked that guy out uh, as well." It's just like fucking gross. God, people are suck. You just needed to jerk off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> anyway, so that's your sex story for the week there, uh, Jedi Mind Twelve Seven. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, toning it down a little bit, we have a few questions from Jack. Uh, I think first time that I've seen a question from Jack, so thank you for writing this one in. He says, do you remember the first time you connected with the other squad members? Yeah, I mean, me, well, so fun story for a lot of people who may or may not know, but uh, all of us had YouTube channels at one time, me and Todd, not, I mean, Steve, are you still doing it? A little bit, but not not definitely not as much as I did back then. Yeah, Todd, have you completely stopped at this point? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've done one in a year or so. Yeah, it's been like two years for me. But we all had YouTube channels like four or five years ago, and we kind of all met through there. Uh, so yeah, that's how I how that's how I hooked up with them, and then me and Todd just I don't even know how really how it came about. Was it whose idea was it, Todd, to even start the podcast? Uh, I think it was mine. I went to you, and I went to Eric, yeah. and then I moved to Kentucky, and then we started it. So that was almost four years ago now, 
Or right. Like, yeah, coming up on four years, I think. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's how I've hooked up with everyone. Yeah, I think that's the same story all around. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, we all did uh, unboxing videos. Like, if we're being more specific, uh, right. we unboxed kind of the same video, uh, kind of the same boxes, and we kind of send uh, messages on our YouTube's like, "Oh, I like your unboxing, your unboxing, or whatever," and start talking horror, right? Because we all did horror block. I think was the main one back then. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of through that, and it went from there to kind of group chats with a bunch of other horror YouTubers, and yeah. I kind of miss horror horror boxes. I know you still get yours, Steve. I, I do. Yeah. Didn't you get like a free one? I do get a free one, actually. I still get a free one every every month. That's funny. It's free, Lucky. damn. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are always fun. But you can, you can always spend the 40 bucks on like something you actually want, but it's always nice to have a little thrill. Yeah, I was thinking that today when I was like, because I, I did a whole cleaning of my collection today and going through like stuff I was looking at. I was looking at some of the stuff I got from, from Horror Block, and I like thought, I was like, yeah, I kind of miss getting a box every month. It, it was fun there for a little bit. Yeah. Frat Crates is still pretty good. I get one every so often. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, like like we're like the shirt I'm wearing. It's not something I w- would have bought, but mm-hmm. something I'm happy to own. You know, so yeah, I love that shirt. Yeah, so it's it's things like that that I really appreciated, but you know, sometimes they're few and far between. Depends on the boxes, really. If you get lucky with some, you don't with others. It's a total crapshoot. Uh, they're not as pro- uh, like popular as they were back in when we did all uh, box unboxings, but yeah. The thrill is definitely there. I actually just bought a Stephen King one from them, so I'm interested to see what they put in that. Um, yeah. His second question is, what what rules do you all have for your podcast? Does everyone share the responsibilities? Ooh, good, good question, actually. I don't know if I've ever gotten this one before. Um, I kind of do the social media aspect of it. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's our, our front man. These are these are voice online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and the contact man too. He has uh, he's the one yeah, that gets the interviews and all that stuff. I do. Yeah, I, I usually um, book all of the guests. Uh, so yeah, that's the two things I do mostly. Do you, and do you talk to the network, Steve? Because I, I try to just I can't keep up with the so many messages in that group. I know I know Joe does, but what about you, Steve? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's overwhelming. I, I like. I got Discord and everything, but I don't know. I feel like I'm inserting myself into a group that's already like all friends, and it just feels weird. Like I don't. I've only met them once, like very briefly, and when I went to Rock and Shock last year. So I don't know if I'm there, at, you know, to kind of just insert myself into conversations. But they're really cool guys from you know the time I did meet them. Maybe one day, but for now, I just keep it to this podcast pretty much. Yeah. And Steve's our editor now, as of what ten episodes ago. Yeah, maybe, like maybe less. Yeah, like seven or eight episodes ago, I started editing and stuff. So I'm really enjoying it too. So it's fun. So if you notice a uh, little, I've been adding like a little Easter eggs just to amuse myself uh, in the <laughs> show. So if you've noticed some of those, uh, yeah, that's that's just because I like to do those little things. But nice. it's fun. It's a it's fun to do, which uh, Todd did for the other hundred and ten episodes <laughs> or mostly. Yeah, I asked, I asked Steve to take over because. It's quite a bit sometimes, <laughs> and with my, uh, it's hard doing it with like kids and stuff. So, I'm very happy Steve take over now because 
it's awesome just sitting here not having to worry about timestamps and like when someone like flubs a word and you want to edit it out for them stuff like that so i'm happy yeah good question and uh yeah and sam's our girl sam's our girl that's right she's she's we call the talent (laughs) (laughs) and we miss her we hope uh to have her back soon uh, all right, so the last questions come from Mandy. She says, hey, squad, did you watch the Curse show on Shudder? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, we were actually talking about this in the, the group chat. Um, I Did uh, you watch it, Todd? No. No. Yeah, I know me and Steve watched it. Uh, I think it's okay. Um, it's just like they just barely scratched like, the surface. So it's like... If you're like, you know, if you're if you're like a diehard horror fan, I, I don't think there's really anything in there that you wouldn't already know. But if you're like a more casual horror fan, I mean, I think it'd, it'd be great. But uh, for me, it was just kind of OK. And then there was some stuff that was like really silly, especially in the Exorcist episode with the fucking like, I mean, I think it was like totally staged, like fake exorcism bullshit. Um, I thought that was really stupid. Um, that was probably the worst episode, I think, of the three. But that's just me. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched all five of them. Um, uh, I, if you guys have seen a show called Dark Side of the Ring, which is a wrestling kind of same version of this, they do it a lot better, I find, where they take a story and they really kind of explain all the angles of that story. Whereas with this, I find they go in these really weird tangents, like Joe said. Uh, in the Exorcist episode, you have they show an exorcism. They have you have like this weird guy that rips his shirt off, like a Hulk Hogan. And in like the episode for, um, what was it? Oh my God, the one off the TV show, uh, the Twilight Zone episode, uh, which is a really tragic story. If you know the story, where uh, the one of the main actors and two kids got killed by a helicopter. Fuck John Landis. Right. No, yeah, for sure. And uh, they go into this whole thing about trauma and Lloyd Kaufman uh, being protective of his actors on sets. Like it's it's totally you don't you really didn't need that. Like these tangents are weird. They don't fit together. Well, I don't know. I guess I was disappointed with Cursed overall. It was a, a weird show. Like I'd recommend watching it if you don't know those stories. Uh, but I think a lot of horror fans do. Uh, they've been told for a lot of, you know, they're all really mainstream stories that people have heard of. But if you don't, check it out. If so, you probably watch better stuff on YouTube, to be honest with you. Right. And, yeah, the, I mean, that's a good point about the tangents. Because even in, like, the Poltergeist episode, they, like, go to, like, a collector's house. Um, which is, like, okay, he owned, like, a screen-used uh, Poltergeist doll. But, like, other than that, there wasn't, like, anything really... Uh, I mean, I actually thought it was cool because like he had a lot of cool shit i could see in the background but as far as like did he bring anything really to the story not really yeah exactly um all right her next question is i loved hearing the ufo story from todd what's your favorite abduction or ufo horror film oh fire in the sky man that's a scary movie still that's a good one um I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, there's not like a ton of like really good ones, honestly. You got the fourth kind, which I'm not a fan of. Um, yeah. Fire in yeah. the Sky, which is amazing. Um, E.T. No, that's not a count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really kind of an untapped resource, so you yeah. See a lot of them. Like, you see a million ghost things and a million other things, but not for some reason abductions and UFOs are not 
like big. They're usually going to science fiction. But as far as a horror one, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna Google this because yeah, I'm not thinking of anything. UFO horror. Films. Yeah, I can't think of shit yet. Let's see. I remember, I remember there was like a uh, found footage one. Oh, Phoenix, Phoenix Forgotten. You're thinking of? Yeah, that one wasn't good either. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all the same stuff. Attack the Block. I don't like that one at all. I know a lot of people like it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one either. Altered. I didn't like that one. That's the Blair Witch guy, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Slither. Well, that's not really a, an abduction movie, though. That's just aliens coming down and killing people. Right. Like Signs. That's a good one, but not abduction. No. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, if you would, if you want this fix, I say just watch the X Files. It's probably the best yeah. version of this, and they have pretty good movies. So, um, yeah, that, that's it's really yeah, it's something maybe a young filmmakers should take note of. It's something we don't have a lot of. So, uh, did you watch right. the new season, Steve of X Files? I did. I was did. it good? Uh, it was good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, for a show that hadn't been on for what, like, fifteen years between, uh-huh. uh, it was actually it picked up like in a nice place and uh i like seeing the characters kind of reunite and do their thing it was it was better than i thought it would be that's cool yeah yeah i loved the x-files as a as a kid i even had like the trading cards that they had like a, it was like kind of a magic the gathering type game but with x-files characters nice yeah, really i still special. think about the the brothers episode that movie that that sh- episode oh, yeah. was terrifying yeah <laughs> i think it got banned too like after it did. one time if you watch it on like on demand and stuff, they they usually do have that episode though. It was just banned off TV. Yeah, that's yeah. scary, man. Yeah, it was really something else. Kind of like a Texas Chainsaw type episode. It was, uh, yeah, I remember the yeah. deputy goes in there and gets like an axe to the head. I was like, holy shit! All right. <laughs> yeah. No, it was like it was like a slasher episode. It was, yeah. It was crazy. Um. All right. Her next question is: Steve sent me the A24 auction page. Which prop from a 2020 horror film would you most like to own? Ooh, great question. I'm trying to think of like 20? what's come out so far. What have we What have we done? Um, Let's see. Underwater. Um, Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're selling his shirts on uh, eBay. If you're interested. Oh my god. I, I kind of want one. I, I saw one that says "Keep a, Keep America Exotic" or something like that. Oh, yeah. or, or make it something like that like the, it's a play on the trump slogan right um uh, I, I had time to think about this question so in the time that you guys think okay. about it uh, i'd want the samurai plus from uh the platform <laughs> I, I think it'd be really cool to own it's a good one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can't think of anything man yeah i'm trying i'm trying to think um the suit from the invisible man oh nice Functional? Yes. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> um, I'm going to cheat and say the Michael Myers mask from the Michael Myers movie coming up. <laughs> nice. Even though it probably won't premiere this year. but Yeah, like everything else, unfortunately. Yeah. You don't want anything from Come to Daddy, Todd? <laughs> Am I a musician? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, want, I want Elijah Wood's mustache. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Or his haircut. <laughs> or his pants or anything from... <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Uh, all right. And her last question is, if you had to gender reverse a horror icon, who would you choose and why? My example, I'd like to see a female version of Freddy 
a woman who makes your fantasies come true in a dream, only to lure you into her horrific lair. Mm, like that's sure that's, that's already a porno, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, I think all the Ghostbusters being general gender uh, reversed into. Oh, wait, that happened. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because they're women. It was because the movie was just awful. Yeah. The writing was uh, stupid. Let's see. You know, there's no, like, physically imposing female slashers. What if, like, we had a big... That's true. Jason-like woman. That'd be fun. <laughs> like, I guess, like, Pamela Voorhees, but that's different. She's not physically imposing, though. Like, yeah. I, that, that's a good point. I'd like to see someone, like, jacked. Like, fucking, like, China. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, man. She, she, I, I think that she was at a con where me and Mondo were going to go to, and she passed away, like, a week before. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. One of one of the nicest celebrities I ever met, like hands down. Oh really? Dude, super yeah. nice woman, yeah. I was like I was like ten I think when I met her, but she was super nice. She was with a X Pac or X Pac or something? No, she she was with Triple H when I met her. Yeah, yeah, she was with Triple H when I met her too. Nice. Back in the <laughs> DX days. Yeah. yeah. Actually mine was right before DX. He was still uh, Hunter Soundsley and he was oh, like nice. she was her like his valet for a while there, like his enforcer. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Uh, so what was the question? Uh, <laughs> gender, gender reverse horror icon. Uh, gender reverse horror icon. Um, I'd just go Ash because I'd like to see like just like a badass like chick like that like just mowing down some demons and shit. You didn't even have to change the name. No. Ashley. There you go. Very true. I'll go with that. Cheater. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, though, yeah, Army no, of Darkness, they're... sorry, Army of Darkness had the girl that I, that, you know, Ash was in love with. That was kind of cool. You found me beautiful once. Yeah. <laughs> Finish that quote, somebody. I can't. Oh, honey, <laughs> you got real ugly. Or <laughs> might said baby or honey, but yeah. You know, I gotta revisit that. I haven't seen Army of Darkness since, like, probably uh, college. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, I but uh, Army of Darkness is actually my least favorite one of the three. It's like I'll go and watch one and two, but I'll always kind of skip over three. It's been so that's why. I think it's underrated, man. Yeah, right, well, I know I'll, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people like it though. So maybe yeah, not I, 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 I love it. I like so, yeah. it. I just didn't love it. I but I'll, I'll go. I'm gonna go back and revisit it, and I'll I'll uh, let you guys know. All right, uh, and for me, I don't know. It, it really doesn't matter any of them. Uh, Michael Myers, maybe. Have just a female, like just crazy. Michelle Myers. Person. Yeah, Michelle Myers. Like Ma- Michaela I mean, Myers. Maybe Judith Myers, like comes oh. never actually died or something, <laughs> or comes well, back I, from the dead. Or I, I still stand by my theory that the girl from 2018 is going to be like a new killer. Oh yeah, uh, maybe. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, maybe not this year, but we'll see eventually. Yeah. Uh, so she says, stay safe, stay awesome, stay spooky. Uh, that's all the questions we have. So thank you, everybody, for those questions. We really, really, really appreciate them. All right. That brings us to what watched. Um, I don't have my notes in front of me. So why don't you, get, why don't you guys go first? Take it away, Steve. All right. Um, so, so the first one I'm going to do is I watched this because of the movie we are reviewing tonight. And if I can find my notes, oh, here they are. Uh, I watched... The Turn of the Screw, uh, 1974, 
So the turn of the screw is the book that the turn, the turning is based off. And this was as far as I can find the first iteration of that story. Now there are like 10 movies that are based off this book. So it's not something unique for sure. In fact, um, the, you know, haunting of Hill house season two is actually this story. So it's going to be the haunting of Bly house. I think, uh, haunting of Bly manor, which is also the same story. It'll be interesting to see that. But anyway, so I watched this. It's a very low budget, uh, 1970s kind of British TV show looking uh, movie. It's the story is very similar to The Turning. I mean, of course, they're off the same book, but it's like beat for beat, really close to the movie we're reviewing tonight. But this one is like way more boring because the effects are just garbage. The ghosts are basically just people with slightly paler faces. Uh, and it just bored me to death. Uh, it's on Tubi if people absolutely want to watch it. But if you're going to see an interpretation of this story, uh, wait for the TV show that comes out this October. Uh, but if you really want to watch it now, maybe watch The Turning over this one. All right. Uh, Puppet Master 2. Uh, I think it's 1990. And uh, Toulon is brought back from the dead by his puppets because his puppets need like a certain kind of like elixir thing to like keep them alive so he has to come back and make it for him uh some ghost hunter type students um come back to the hotel and they're looking for ghosts and shit and that's the new victims and it's really creepy and it's really well done and um i really liked toulon because he's kind of in like a house of wax well he, he is i mean in a house of wax um kind of dummy towards the end but when he's walking around before he transfers his soul into like a puppet like a giant like figure um, he's like all wrapped up kind of like dark man and he's got like the creepiest voice and he's always like bugging the kids and stuff and no one has the heart to like kick his old ass out. Um, but man, Puppet Master 2 is super good. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's unsettling when he's, uh, like with the fake eyes, but he's kind of like a wax figure. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, a, it's a good film. It's a definitely a, it's my favorite Puppet Master. So yeah. Yep. Mine as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, my first one uh, for this week is John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. This was a first-time watch for me. I had never seen this one before, um, and I loved it. I really loved it. Uh, it uh, I was really surprised. I didn't know what to expect going into this one, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, basically, it's about this uh, guy played by Sam Neill, who basically gets like hired to go and try to locate a famous horror writer that's like disappeared. Um, and he goes and he like finds the town basically that like was in one of the, was that was in one of this guy's books. And basically like the stories from this guy, this author like kind of become like a reality sort of thing. Um, and I'll leave it at that, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of this one, so highly recommend it. I don't remember that movie at all, but I know I got it from Netflix during the early um, disc days, so I got to revisit that one. Yeah, I definitely recommend revisiting it. It's uh, it's very good. All right, uh, my next one is one that I watched to prepare for our interview with Mark Mayers, and that's uh, my friend Dahmer, which is. Uh, the first movie that I heard of that he had done and one of his 
two. I think yeah, it's only two horror films are this and We Summon the Darkness. So um, this is basically what Dahmer was like in high school uh, as a senior in high school. And it shows kind of the odd and deranged behavior that led him to eventually become a serial killer. Uh, I think the performances are really good in this film. I particularly like the guy who plays Dahmer. Uh, he plays a really messed up kid. And uh, it's cool to see kind of those tendencies start to grow in this, in this kid and becoming a serial killer. That's really one of the worst serial killers of all time. Uh, personally, that's how I feel about it. But I will say that I was a little bit disappointed because I feel the movie went a little bit too much into kind of just a bunch of idiot seniors doing stuff together as opposed to showing more of like a serial killer's tendencies. Uh, the beginning of the film shows a lot of that where he's like dissecting animals and putting animals into acid and all that kind of stuff. And there are hints of stuff like that. But the majority of the film is just him acting like an idiot in front of his friends to get a reaction out of people. And it was like kind of interesting at first, but they do that same bit maybe four or five times in the movie. And it got old really quick. But overall, I'd say it's a pretty decent watch, a pretty good film. And uh, I'd recommend it. Where did you find that one? Uh, I think it's on Tubi, if I remember correctly. And... It's also available. Uh, I don't know if you have Xfinity or not, but it's pr- available free on Xfinity too, on demand. I just looked it up too. It's on Prime. Right. So there's a lot of options for it. What about um, Mouth of Madness, Joe? Where'd you watch that so people can hunt it down? Uh, I think it might have been Tubi. Okay. But and, it was either uh, Tubi or Prime. And then Puppet Master, you can stream on. Um, uh, what the fuck? Full Moon's little streaming service is actually, I think, like three bucks right now a month, which isn't bad. Um, but my next one is: Are we going to talk about Gretel and Hansel on a show? I would like to. I think, considering there's not much new releases coming out, I think we should do one an episode on it. All right. Well, Gretel and Hansel, I really dug it, but I'll skip it for now. Um, I watched 1978's Magic, and I think one of you mentioned this if I'm not mistaken already, but it's got a uh, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, one of his early roles. And basically he's a struggling magician in New York. Um, and then he gets a ventriloquist dummy and he starts doing that. Um, and he's about to make it really big. Like he has a bunch of offers from shows and his agent is actually uh, Mickey from, um, from Rocky. And he's, he's really good in it. But right before he gets his deals, he decide he just freaks out and he doesn't want to do, um, the studio is requiring him to do a physical and he's like, I'm not going to do a physical. I'm not sick. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like sends up some red flags right away. So he just takes off, um, meets up with his high school, the girl he had a crush on who is the hot redhead from grumpy old men. If you guys remember that movie. And, um, yeah, it's basically a movie about, um, mental health and kind of like schizophrenia things like that. You don't really know if he's crazy or maybe the doll is actually possessed or whatever, but he starts killing people and um a really well acted film a little bit long at an hour and 50 minutes but i recommend it it's on shutter right now sweet i've actually never seen that one so i'm definitely gonna be i'll definitely check it out yeah all right um uh, my next one is from 2011 and uh, it's not exactly horror per se it's more of a i guess like a thriller slash drama but deals with very horrific stuff um so i'm including it and uh it's called we need to talk about kevin 
Uh, it stars Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley. Uh, and basically, what this one is about is so it, it opens up really interestingly. Uh, you know, it, so basically, what the story is, it's about you know a mother who is dealing with the after effects of her son basically being uh, a psychopath and basically massacres his school. And uh, this isn't really a spoiler because it kind of like tells that like right from the get go. But basically, it, it's done very interestingly because it keeps going from different timelines. So we see, like, after it happened and before it happened, and we keep going back and forth. And um, I the way it was done, I thought, was really, really good. And um, it builds up to the uh, actual, like, massacre, school massacre. So, you know, you're, like, waiting for, you know, the shoe to drop on that. And it's just... um. You know, it's it's really well done. Um, the tension just continues to build and amazing performances all around by all the actors. And um, it just kind of, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it makes you think like, you know, are psychopaths kind of born or is it the way they're raised? And um, yeah, it was really good. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Uh, I was going to talk about We Summoned the Darkness, but I feel we covered it a lot in the interview. So I don't have much to add, so I'm actually going to skip it. But do listen to the interview uh, if you want to hear more about that story, uh, which me and Joe did. Uh, there is one movie I really want to talk about, and that is The Eyes of My Mother. Um, this was on Joe's decade list, I believe. Um, was that in your decade or just uh, honorable I mention, Joe? Think, I think it got an honorable mention. I don't think it actually made the top ten, but definitely an honorable mention. Yeah, so it's a story about a girl who uh, her uh, mother is murdered and then her father and her kind of trap the guy who murdered her and then they kind of torture him slash take care of him uh, for years and then her father dies uh, later on and then it's this girl kind of dealing with that and it's just a really interesting film. I don't want to say too much about it because... I really didn't know what to expect about it other than what Joe had said in that episode, but it's like a really interesting film. It's great performances, especially by the main actress uh, who plays in this. Uh, it's in black and white and it's only an hour 15, but I actually commend that because it didn't need to be longer. And a lot of movies, they'll just pad just to kind of go over that hour and a half. And this movie really didn't need it. And it's like a perfect time. 115, I think, was perfect for this film. It's a dreadful film. There's not a lot of joy to be had in this film. So be warned about that. But uh, it's a great, great film. I really enjoyed watching it. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, nice. that, one's dis that one's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. That one uh, messed with and, me a little bit. And it's in black and white, too. So for people yeah. who may not know. But that's a, I mean... What is it called? Artistic choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I watched the tag along, but we're gonna talk about that more in depth uh, next week. Yes. Um, did we? Did we mention why we're doing? I like, did it. Some, give a shout, a shout out to the Taiwan audience here. Yeah, I did in the opening, but um, I guess like, we can talk about it. We're gonna start featuring different countries, and we're gonna talk about some of their top films um, and what watch. So next week we do we're doing Taiwan. And I think Joe Googled like Taiwan top horror films and the tag along shot right up to the list. So we're going to talk about that next week. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it. But um, I don't have any more horror that I watched. I bet, uh, 
I finished Office season seven, eight, and nine because we were running through those, and um, those ones after Michael are just, you know, obviously a step down. But nine season nine is pretty good. And Better Call Saul season three is picking up pretty nicely, and I'm really cool. into it. I just watched. I'm all I'm all caught up. I just watched the season five finale, and it's nice. fantastic. The show is fantastic. It's I've seen some people saying it's like better than Breaking Bad, and I think that's a little crazy. But it is right now probably the best thing on television currently. What do you, you got? Anything else for watching? Uh, oh, is it my turn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your sorry. Turn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, the last one I got tonight is from John Carpenter once again, and this one is Body Bags. Uh, this one I have never seen before. Uh, it is an anthology uh, featuring Carpenter and Toby Hooper, actually, both uh, collaborated on this one. Uh, it's from the 90s, I believe, and uh, I had a, a ton of fun with this one. This one was uh, really, really fun. Uh, it's three stories, and... Man, there's, like, a bunch of just, like, random, like, big actors in this, like, including, like, Mark Hamill, Wes Craven makes a cameo, Tom Arnold, uh, and, and a whole bunch of other people. But, uh, yeah, the th- there's three stories. The first story is, without a doubt, the best one. Uh, this is the one Carpenter did, too. Um, but basically, it's this girl. She's alone at night, uh, her first job. Uh, at a uh, gas station like off a highway in the middle of nowhere and there's like a serial killer on the loose Uh, really really fun the second one is hilarious it's about this dude who uh is going bald and he uh he goes for like a hair transplant he's just like obsessed with his hair and um i I won't spoil that one i don't want to spoil this one at all because it just goes to like a really wacky place but it's like really fun and then the third one uh is the one that stars mark camel actually and He's a baseball player. He gets in a car wreck and he loses one of his eyes and he has an eye transplant. And uh, the eye that got transplanted came from someone who wasn't very good. And he starts seeing some like fucked up stuff. Um, but it's uh, it's a really, really fun anthology. If you're into anthologies, I, I definitely recommend it. I watched it on YouTube. Um, it's also available on uh, Amazon Prime. So uh, there's a bunch of uh, different ways you can watch this. Uh, and Carpenter plays the uh, coroner in this, uh, and he is amazing. He's like he reminds me a lot like of the crib keeper type character, uh, and it's it's a blast. So I, I definitely recommend it. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It's man, it's good. It, it's really fun. You should watch it. Sounds good. You got any more to throw in there, Steve? Oh, I have like 50, but I think I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it for, uh, there'll be a long episode if I start going through, I've been watching like four or five movies, like I'd say like three movies a day solid for the last two, three weeks. Uh, just, yeah, I'm, I have such a long list, but I'll get through them eventually. Yeah. I'm like feeling really tired. Are you? Yeah, super tired. Yeah, like deadly tired? Uh... Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right, so let's get into some hard news here. Um, first bit of news here, um, we'll start off with a bit of a somber 
uh, note here as um, a rest in peace to high tension actor Philippe Nahan. Uh, he played, of course, uh, you know, like the lead role there uh, of the the killer. Uh, he was 81 years old. So, uh, yeah, a very memorable role. Uh, great movie from uh, High Tension. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to him. Uh, next bit of news here is uh, so I think um, someone mentioned this actually in the thing, but A24 has announced they are doing a big auction um it's i'm really excited for this i'm definitely going to try to get some of these items but uh some of the big ticket items they are doing uh, are the flower dress of course from midsummer and the actual lighthouse from the movie the lighthouse i'm not i'm sorry not the lighthouse the light on the top of the lighthouse i don't know how they'd be able to auction off an entire lighthouse so that would have been cool though <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah right uh, but uh, yeah, so the first uh, auction is going currently ongoing right now. Um, they put up a so, a couple items from Hereditary and then some non horror movies. Um, but uh, yeah, just go to uh, A24's website and you can find all of the auction stuff. Um, I know that the Midsummer one is going live on April 27th, and the Lighthouse one on May 11th. So, um, yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, I'm sure none of it will be in my price range, but, hey, you never know. <laughs> it's only it's only a few items, though, right? Didn't Hereditary only have, like, two things? Two. Hereditary only had two. It was, like, two, like, it was, like, dorm mats from, yeah. like, the house or something like that. And they were, like, at, like, two grand, I think, the last I, I Here, checked. I, I, actually, I have it on, so let, let me give you a little update. There's six items. Okay. There's Ruse Hoodie from Euphoria, which is currently at 6000 you have Stevie's skateboard from mid '90s, which is currently a two thousand. You have coolest girl in the world time capsule from eighth eighth grade, which is fifteen hundred. You have the Gabe's pool party goggles from eighth grade, which is four fifty. And you have the Annie doormat from Hereditary at five thousand, and the Charles doormat from Hereditary at four thousand, with fourteen days to go. Jeez. So hope you got Where some money he, there. I I do not remember these doormats. We're like. Didn't, you didn't, didn't that girl make them? Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what, do you th- what do you think the highest priced item will be? It's got to be the flower dress, right? I was thinking the lighthouse light. You think the lighthouse light? Yeah. No, I think I think Ms. Samar had a bigger impact on people than the lighthouse, though. That's true. And it's it's really iconic, that dress. Like, they even spoofed it at the Oscars, you know? So oh, I did? think it's yeah, I think it's gonna go for a lot of money. Well, they're doing the bear costume too, right? I think you might mention uh, just, just the, just the, the head. Yeah, yeah, just the head. That's yeah. cool. Which is what I would that would be one of my like the flower dress obviously, but like I know I'm not gonna be able to afford that. So like the bear head thing would be like my top get right now. But like I said, I don't think it will anything will be affordable for me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that sucks that they're not doing like a bunch of random stuff. Like I'd buy like homeboy shirt. You know what I mean? Right. That'd be yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Totally. Did you guys ever check out the prop store, which is a store that does all those like kind of smaller items? No. I actually – no, I never I'll, have. I'll, I'll send you guys the, the link. It's it's like a, a, basically a store in the UK that sells a bunch of uh, stuff ranging from like really big items to really small items. Uh, really worth checking out. Like the price range goes from like thousand, like I don't know, $50,000 to some of them Jeez. only like two, two, three hundred. Yeah. So, I, was, I always wanted a Starship Trooper 
set of armor because so i've seen those on ebay sometimes. Oh, that'd be badass <laughs> yeah. yeah no they got all sorts of really cool stuff that uh might interest you on that i'll send you guys the, the link yeah definitely uh all right well um for those of you that are listening to when this episode drops which is friday um here's a little uh little uh little present for you guys for your for the first day listeners um the blair witch project um is doing a watch uh, i'm sorry Eduardo sanchez the director of the blair witch project is hosting a watch along tonight folks um on museum of pop culture's website so um yeah it begins at uh 7 p.m pacific time 10 p.m. Eastern, um, but yeah, so it's going to have a whole bunch of stuff, uh, including a pre-film introduction from uh, Eduardo Sanchez himself, uh, and then a spotlight on artifacts from the Blair Witch Project on display in the Museum of Pop Culture's uh, Scared to Death exhibition, uh, cocktails and beer pairing recommendations for the movie, uh, and then a chat with Eduardo Sanchez post-film. So yeah. Um, I will definitely be tuning in for that, and uh, yeah, I'm sure some of you, other you guys will be too. Uh, all right, uh, next bit of news here is, here's some good news, actually. I know uh, I've been reporting a lot of delays and cancellations regarding corona, um, but currently, um, of course, this is subject to change, but currently, Halloween uh, is not being moved. Um, they still are planning to release it uh, on October 16th. So um, there you go. There's some good news for you. And hopefully that uh, stays. Uh, also going on here, uh, we are going to be getting a sequel to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark um, with the director, um, the original director, Andre Overdahl. And Guillermo del Toro are coming back. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, of course, producing. Andre Overdahl directing. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I really enjoyed Scary Stories. Um, I can't remember what you, Todd, and Steve thought of it, though. I didn't like it. I gave it, like, a four. Yeah. I, I liked it. Like uh, I think it was, like, a 6.5 or 7. Okay, cool. Well, we'll be getting a sequel, so there you go. Uh, and, okay, last bit of news here. Uh, not really news. I just thought this would be kind of a fun one we can kind of discuss here. But um, Blade Discussing did a, a, a little article about the 13 scariest CGI monsters in movies. Uh, so, of course, you know, most of us kind of complain about CGI and whatnot. So, um, yeah, let me let's see what you guys think of this list. Um, the Bear Monsters from Annihilation, Beowulf from Beowulf, uh, The Host, the monsters from The Host. Um, they put Jurassic Park in here. I mean, this is one is always a contention with me. Do you consider Jurassic Park horror? No, I can no. Yeah, no. It's I, I could see how people can. Think. I mean, it's it's like monsters attacking people, right, and killing people. Right. So I, I could see why it is, but it's, it's it, it always comes back to like is something horror or not? It's almost because their intention wasn't to make it horror. That's not. But if someone yeah. that directed it, like a horror director directed it, maybe people would have seen it as a horror film. It's weird. It's like a fine one of those like kind of gray areas in horror. Well, that makes perfect sense. It's like *Brightburn*. My opinion is horror because that's what they wanted, you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, the monsters from the mist. 
the monsters from A Quiet Place, uh, The Ritual, monster from The Ritual, uh, Shin Godzilla, which I've actually never seen before. Have you guys seen that one? I did. It's awesome. It's awesome? Okay. I really, really highly recommend it. If you like Godzilla, it's one of the best. All right. And finally, here's one I don't consider horror, but I mean, it's kind of in there. Starship Troopers, which I think is great. I think the they that movie holds up really well CGI-wise. It does. I just watched it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Again, it's my favorite movie. Besides, yeah, one of, well, favorite non-horror movie. Yeah, I, I've, I love that movie as well. I, I remember that's one of the only movies where when I watched it, I mean, I think it was like right the perfect age too. Because when did that come out? Like 97, 98, something like that. 97, so you're 10 years old. Yeah, I was 10 years old. And I remember I I went, I rented it at the video store. I popped it in the VC, you know, the VCR, watched it literally rewound it watched it again like and i can't remember like any other movie i've done that for where i just like watched it two times in a row consecutively that's how it much has, i love it it has everything especially <laughs> yeah that age you got like boobs blood yep. bugs my uh <laughs> my parents took me opening night man friday night to see that movie is oh awesome one of my uh early movie memories and then i met casper van Dien, and he's cool as fuck i'm jealous i've always wanted to meet him yeah. I, I had the chance to I had the chance to meet uh, Dizzy, but and I passed. But now I, I regret it. Yeah, she's expensive. She was pricey. That's why I didn't meet. It's because she because when I met her, they were doing a saw reunion, so I think she jacked her price up anyway because of that. Yeah, her, um, Casper, and then um, Jake were all there, but I uh, only met Casper because yeah, the other ones were pricey too. Especially Jake Busey, he's only done a couple films. Yeah, see, when I met Jake, he wasn't, like, big yet. Like, he had only really done Frighteners and that. So I think I only, I think I only got him for, like, 30 bucks. What? Anything else on that CGI list? No, no that's it. Sorry. No, that's I it. Saw... And that's it. What's up? No, I was going to say, from that list, the ones that stand out as the worst would be um, the Stephen King one when they're in the, the, oh, mist. the mist. I thought, ugh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's it for horror news this week. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Sounds like it's trivia time. Ooh. Pop out them trivia questions, people. I, I got it called Notable again this week because I had one that was for Sam. So, oh, uh, no. Yeah. Next week. All right. Everyone ready? What are the scores, yep. too? I was going to say, I actually don't have the scores with me right now. <laughs> So, uh, so Todd has twenty. Give me a second. Oh, you have it. Okay, great. Well, I, I know, I know it pretty much offhand. Okay. Uh, Todd is in the lead with twenty points. Steve is a little bit far behind him, but he's going to catch up at seventeen points. <laughs> and Joe is not ranked because he's so far behind. Oh, no. uh, I think he's at eleven points. If oh I my word! Yeah, I something I was catching up. I'm starting an inch away, people. Mm. First is three, then it'll be six, and then it won't even be a competition anymore. I'm going right. to I'm, I'm start this mother effort up, off, up, whatever. Steve, don't have your balls out like last time. Yeah, I'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name the killer or errs in Scream 3. It's just one guy. Uh, what's his name? Roman? Ooh, Ooh, nice. I would also accept his his uh what his job was in that movie too, but you got the name, so nice. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. He was also he was the director, the movie director. Yep. 
Uh, you want to go, Joe? I'm just looking sure, I'll go. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, okay, what is the name of the town in the fog? Oh, I have no idea. Hmm. I came up with this one because uh, it was just the anniversary just the other day of the was, date hmm. of the date from like the uh, the movie and like in the movie there's like the certain date it happens on. Huh. It sucks because it's they say it like nine times. Yeah, yeah Adrian Barbo's character says it like a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I don't remember. Not sure. It, it it was Antonio Bay. I knew it was something with Bay. Damn it. All right. In King of the Ants, mm. how much is Sean paid for for the hit? Ooh. $10,000. No. Eh. Uh, 8000 Nope. You're both wrong. It was 13000 it's a Lucky number. number. Yeah. <laughs> Thirteen. All right, back to me. In what Puppet Master movie was Leech Woman first seen? One. Steve got it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I thought I ordered it to trick you guys, but I didn't trick Steve. So. No, I just watched it like two weeks ago. <laughs> um. All right. Steve, are you keeping score? Oh, am I supposed to? <laughs> well, just 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 for tonight, and then you can give me the because I don't uh, have my notebook with me. Joe, you got one point. Yeah. I got yeah. one point. Did you get one, Todd? Yeah, I got three points. Yeah, sure. Todd didn't get any. <laughs> okay, it's a one-one. All right, perfect. Go ahead, Joe. Alrighty. What object is responsible for the sinister happenings in Oculus? Uh, mirror. Correct. Yay. <laughs> All right. On the board. Very proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> so I think this one's been asked before. I'm not 100% sure, so you need to be quick with your answer. In Beyond Reanimator, what's the name of the prison? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, me either. Uh, let's take a guess here. Uh, Santiago Prison. Miskatonic Prison. Well, it's a good guess, but no. <laughs> uh, it's actually Arkham State Penitentiary. Oh. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Shit. Todd? Me? Okay. In uh, Halloween, the last one, 2018, uh, what does the couple go as for the Halloween dance? Uh, Fenty and the Opera? Eh. In the uh, latest one? Yes, sir. Uh, what does the girl and her boyfriend go to as the Halloween day? Or what a, is their costume? It's, it's a couple's costume? Could be. Could it not be? Ooh. Bonnie and Clyde. You got it. Yes. Sam whispering in her ear. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yes. I, don't remember, I don't remember that at all. Reverse, I don't. I, reverse just took a, I, just took a big, I just took a fucking guess. <laughs> Those uh, reverse gender roles on that one. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask, like, what creature the boyfriend cheats on her with. Do you guys remember that? For no points. Ooh, I don't. No. A sexy cat. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. What is the color of the raincoat the killer wears in Alice, Sweet Alice? Red. Red. 
Red is incorrect. It's yellow? Yellow is correct. Nice. I'm glad I stopped interrupting Steve on that one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, all right. That's, that's a goofy one. I, yeah, I like it, though. I enjoy it, though, yeah. yeah. In Puppet Master, the original, what's the name of the dog? Oh, shit. It's been a while. I don't know this one. Uh, Gestepo. <laughs> no. <laughs> not All right, Gepetto? no. No, not Gepetto. Gepetto. <laughs> no, it's actually Le- Leroy. Yeah. Lame. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Are we done? That's it. Yep. That's, that's it. it. That was fast. Uh, so the points. So Todd now at 22 points. Steve hey. now at 18 points. And Joe, I believe, is now at 13. I'm not 100% sure on, on Joe. I'll I'll double check. I'll send you a text with the with the points for the day and night. All right. Just, Thank you. And in a distant fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, when she comes back, we'll have a double points. Point <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's time to talk about the turning. Have you ever been a nanny? This is my first live-in job. Well, I hope you know what you're doing. The children are very special, Kate. They're thoroughbreds. Jeez, your friends must love it here. I have no friends. You have no friends? Yep. Well, you have one now. (laughs) Maybe. May I ask how the parents died? Well... Miles! Nothing should have to suffer. It's not that simple. I don't go in that part of the house. Why not? Don't wanna. Hello? (gasps) We shouldn't be in here. What happened to your last nanny? Like I'd tell. You need to take charge here, Kate. I know what you're afraid of. Keeping the lights on won't keep you safe. Can you please stop? You're gonna leave me, aren't you? I'm not going anywhere. Promise, promise? Cross my heart and hope to die. (gasps) Everyone dies, Miles. Did you see them? I don't want to play anymore. Hey! Why are you doing this? Stop now. We're not safe! Bad dreams? Mackenzie Davis, who's in the last Terminator Dark Fate, 
um, she is a teacher and she gets hired to go to this rich people's like estate. It's like a giant manor with horses and pools and all that shit. And um, she goes there because uh, to teach the kids and their parents have passed away. So like she feels really bad about the little girl and the little girl sad. And she's like, will you promise not to leave me like everybody else? And she's like, all right. Um, originally just supposed to be teaching the young girl who's maybe, I don't know, six or seven until Finn Wolfhard comes back with a super bad attitude problem and starts like treating her like shit, scaring her, sexually harassing her, creeping on her when she's sleeping, stuff like that. Meanwhile, there's like a nanny essentially that thinks the kids can do no wrong, blames the teacher for everything basically, and says like, you need to learn your place and listen to the kids. All the while, there's some haunting like things going on where you don't really know if it's a ghost, if it's in the girl's mind, if it's, um, you know, like a possession kind of thing or anything like that, you don't know. Um, ooh, this ending was rough, but I guess we'll wait to the end of the review for that. I really liked this one, guys, until the ending. I mean, what were you guys thinking before it ended? Yeah. I was, I mean, I was enjoying it. I I wasn't, like, in love with it or anything, but, like, it kept me, like, on the edge of my seat. Like, I was like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Um, And, yeah, I mean, I was really, I wouldn't say, like, really enjoying it, but, like, I was enjoying it enough. Um, And then just that ending happens, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I've never felt like, man, like, it's like getting, like, uh, like a, like a hand job and then not finishing. That's that's what this movie felt like. <laughs> yeah, or like you're like, uh, and then but she takes it back and then she just does something else. Like is yeah. what's exactly what happens in this movie. Right. Um, like Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. It's exactly how I felt. It it felt it had a good atmosphere, great tension, but it feels like the whole movie they're setting something up and then we just end. There's like no payoff at all. It's like a first and second act with no third act it's, it was kind of a weird uh setup and a, just a it was good it's like it's really a shame because i think if it had a decent ending my score would be a lot higher uh but it didn't so it is what it is but i did like it overall yeah so the setup is pretty good i mean a, a girl that's like out of her league going to a family that she knows nothing about so that's a good setup in in this creepy ass old house um finn wolfhard plays an excellent douchey kid i gotta give him credit for that um i just i don't understand why they had the mother's mental illness thing and if they weren't going to examine that at all until like the last 30 seconds of the movie with the with the daughter you know i know it, it popped up they? a bit here and there I, well you they? tell me i have no idea <laughs> i mean i will tell you all right I'll, I'll let Joe go, and then I'll tell you my theory about this whole movie. Well, like, yeah, so I was going to say, like, was the mother even, like, like real? Like, that, you know, like, I, I, that's where it's, like, really a little confusing. Cause, but, yeah, I mean, I, I want to hear Steve's theory, so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, wait. Okay, so before I give you my theory, just, uh, just to be honest with you guys, I haven't seen it since January, because when I first saw it in the theaters... So I'm a little rusty on the details, so I might be like screwing up the names and stuff. But basically how I felt this movie was is that Kate, I think is the name of the uh, nanny, is basically, uh, you know, the, the whole movie talks about uh, 
the previous nanny that was there, and then she was like raped uh, by this guy called Quint, which was the groundskeeper, I think. Uh, at least that's what it was like in the other turn of the screw story. That's and yeah, and Quint, and I think that this girl is actually uh, Jezel. I think that was the name of the the original nanny. And then after the experience that she went through, she killed Quint and then went to a mental hospital. And then she started reliving that whole experience through her head as what it would be like to go back to the house as a nanny. So it's not her mother. It's actually her, the whole movie, kind of going through this fantasy of what being a housekeeper at this house is like. But her dark thoughts just can't get out of her head. And in her own fantasy, she starts seeing clues that bring her back to that awful time that she had when she was a nanny originally. So the ghosts are kind of haunting her past. Uh, there's a few scenes where you see um, Finn Wolfhard's character kind of acting like more adult than he should. And I feel that he's kind of the Quint character in her fantasy. Um, you, you know, and it's just this whole thing. And that's why at the end, when she sees like those drawings, it brought her back that she's the one who drew those drawings. And she, you know, you, she, I think she sees something and you don't really see what she's seeing that really scares her. I think that she sees herself being in the mental hospital the whole time. So I think this whole movie is basically in her head throughout the whole thing. And she's just uncovering that fact throughout the film. Right. So I'm like a little bit there. Um, but I, I took it a little bit differently. The way I took it was is that everything was real up until um do you guys remember like there's like that weird escape scene and then like we go like backwards. It's like a weird cut. Mm-hmm. So like the way I look at it is like everything was real up until that point. Um and then like that is when like basically like she kind of snapped. And if you remember like um the kids are like she's like don't you see the guy in the mirror or whatever because we have like this and that's like such a like so like you know half this movie's like a ghost well it's like 75 percent like a ghost movie right like kind of like with this like quint character supposed to be like stalking her and the way i took it was is like that was like all like this that that was all like real but it was like all in her head you know like she was kind of going she was like snapping she was like slowly going crazy and if you remember like towards the end there the kids are like we don't like she's like don't you see him in the mirror and shit and they're like we don't see anything like you know what the fuck are you talking about um so i think that's kind of like where she snaps um and then like we kind of like flash forward to her like in the mental institution and obviously like that is what she sees she sees herself in the mental institution which i i agree with steve for sure like that's absolutely like what she sees i don't think there's much uh of a debate but i mean maybe there is i'd like to i don't know let's hear what's your theory todd i don't i honestly don't have one that's like the first thing i said to you guys when i've done i was like i don't understand anything yeah so are you saying that the old mother character is actually her is that what you guys are saying? I, I, I think, yeah, I think her mother is not, there is no mother, it's her. That's her. Yeah, I, I don't think there was, yeah, I don't think there was a mother. Or, I mean, maybe her mother was, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think what she sees at the, like, the scenes we see, like, with the mother is really just her. So, time. what about the first scene where we actually see Quint pull Giselle out of a car? 
It's like in the first like two minutes. Right, right. So what um, is that? I mean, are you talking like in the beginning there with uh-huh, the other yeah. caretaker? Yeah. I mean, I, I see. I think that's real. Like, I think that like really happened. Like, I know Steve's theory is a little different. Um, but I think like that was like a re- that really happened. Like, I think all that was real. Just like I think she really, this the new the new lady came and like really took care of the kids and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't think it was in her head, but I can totally see like Steve's theory as well, where like this was all just kind of a crazy woman's thing. But, um, yeah, I took it a little differently. Man, they should have. Either way, they should have fleshed out some sort of ending so we knew. Right. Or make it ambiguous, but in a good way. Not just, this is the ending. Oh, wait, never mind. We're looking at a painting. There is no ending. Like, what? Right. Like, that was the problem. And, like, the, I mean, I totally blame the director on this one. Like, I, I don't think there's anyone else to blame. The director decided to go with a super ambiguous ending. Um and it just doesn't work. It's like, it's just like shutting the lights off, like, you know, right before the big reveal. Um, and I actually, I actually usually really like like ambiguous endings, but for a movie like this, it just did not work at all. Uh, I think they could, I mean, they really could have left it ambiguous, but like they needed to go a little further rather than just a fucking super abrupt ending where it's just like, what? Like, it just like ends and it's just like it's jarring and it just it doesn't work here yeah what about the um you know not factoring in the ending what what did you guys think about the bulk of the movie like the scares and the acting from the kids and all that personally i thought the um the hiding of seek thing with the flashlight at the end towards the end there was pretty good um the little girl is just creepy to, to begin with and finn wolfhard's like He's got future shitbag written all over him in that movie. He needed like to get his ass beat, uh, but that you know he played the character well, so that was a character. So I appreciated that. But um, I thought everything leading up to honestly was good, man. And then the ending, fuck. So yeah, uh, Finn Wolfhard kind of gave me like good son vibes. Ah uh, yeah, just, uh, just a really evil little kid. Uh, but again, in my mind he was playing quint you know that's why he tries to kiss her which brings her back to like when she was raped and i heard a theory i don't remember it's been a while but he yeah he, he was has like a black horse in the film and we saw a picture of quint on a black horse apparently at some point um yeah i don't know it's just i think this whole movie is basically just in her head but it's hard but as you say i, I like the performances in this i think uh, the main actress uh, is really good in this, uh, Mackenzie Davis. Uh, the kids were pretty good. Finn Wolfhard, I could see how people think it was bad acting, but I think that was the character. Uh, you know, you wanted to hate him, and I think that was the point. He's it's... playing a stupid douchebag teen. Exactly, and he played it perfectly. Right. Uh, so I could see how people didn't like it, but personally I thought it was a good performance. And yeah, it's just, and it was an effective ghost film. You know, um, it, you know, with everything with the, like the mannequin thing that for the clothes that she has is creepy and uh, yeah, it was an effective ghost film and it's really ruined by the abrupt ending. I think it's too bad. So if you go with the it's in her head theory, right? Then the movie is bullshit and it's lying to you because we see stuff that she doesn't see like the mannequin head moving. So like, it's like the director writer, whatever, try to have like best of both worlds, you know? 
like leaving it up to right. us like oh it could be inner mine or it could be this but he's really taking a cop out because we're not supposed to see shit she can't see if it's in her head you know what i mean so like then that doesn't even yeah, make sense that, if you think about it like, i think that's just bad directing though yeah. <laughs> if you ask yeah. me like you see that in films something like this sometimes like if it's some in something said it should be all from their perspective but they don't because you'd be missing some stuff but uh yeah. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. I. I. But I. I marry you guys. I think all the performances were really good. And yeah. I mean, like I said, I was just like, I was really excited. Like it's and it's disappointing because like I was like really really interested to see where this movie was going because uh, I was like, well, what the fuck is going on? Like with this. I mean, they they kept like the mystery up there. I mean, yeah. There's like definitely like some cliche stuff in here. Like that mannequin head moving and stuff like i was like oh like i saw that coming a mile away um but i mean i mean it was like fine it was like a deep like a decent like ghost story up until that point and i really do like the like her being like i like the angle of her like slowly turning crazy and like being in the mental institution i i do like that aspect of it it's just like they they never really teased it like ever um and then just for them to just kind of spring it on us like at the end and then like do it the way they did it. It just, yeah, nope. That's going to be a no for me. Dog. <laughs> uh, while, while I was watching the movie, I thought the twist would be similar to the others. Spoiler for the others uh, that it's all on this campus. Like they never leave. Like she can't leave because it's in their mind. But then right. they just, like, go to town. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> well, I guess that's not real. <laughs> you know, I really thought, because, you know, uh, at some point, they're like, well, we can't leave the property. We can't leave the house. Right. And I thought that was a big part of it. But then they just leave. I was like, oh. Yeah. Weird. I thought I honestly <laughs> thought the little girl was, was dead or something. Or, like, the two right. kids were dead or something. Or, uh, yeah, or, like, one of them was dead. And the other one, like, she, like, was seeing the, one of the kids that was dead or something. Like, I thought they were going to go that way with it. Um, that would make cool. Which actually, yeah, I was gonna say, which actually probably would have been kind of cool. Um, but yeah. Why? Why couldn't the little girl leave? Did they explain that at all? They didn't. Some more bullshit. More, more, <laughs> I mean, I, more misdirection. I, I, I think it was a misdirection. I think it was to get you trying to think of like, oh, why can't she leave? Like maybe she's dead. Kind of like how we're mm. discussing it. I think it was just a misdirection for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you, do yeah, you guys? If you, if, oh, go ahead, Steve. I was just gonna say, misdirection only works if you're doing something with the other hand. You know? <laughs> like right. if you're if you're misdirecting and not doing anything, it's it kind of defies the whole purpose. I, I feel like this is one of those movies that is trying to be smarter than it was. Like it sounded good on paper or in their heads, but it didn't execute well. Uh, having seen you know the other turn of the screw story. Uh, I did, you know, the movie's boring, but it made more sense. You know, it was actually a cohesive uh, story. Uh, the ending was basically that it wasn't in her head, though. There was no mental, mental institution thing. It was actually just a person that came up, but she started seeing the ghost, and Quint was basically like the little boy. And anyway, she like kills Quint, but that's actually the boy that she kills because she's seeing stuff. So. Uh. So it is that, mental health, then. It, it is, but you don't see her at mental hospital. It's like it's, it's like more straightforward, you know. So uh-huh. she's just kind of going crazy because the kids are kind of torturing her with all the games that they're playing with her, and she starts seeing things, and eventually she kills the kid, thinking it's Quinn's ghost. So it's basically okay. what the, that story is. I was also thinking before 
Well, regardless of the ending, I was also thinking, I'm like, this girl's giving these people a ton of chances. Like, who cares if you promise that girl you weren't going to leave? Like, get out of there. Like, when you're seeing ghosts when you're in a bathtub, I think it's time to leave. So that right. kind of frustrated me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I, I would have left. Like, I would have ran off. Like, like Nope. Well, yeah, like, why are you sticking around, you know? Especially Finn Wolfhard, man. If Like, screw this kid, man. I'm out. He's stomping, like, goldfish's heads in. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you guys do you guys think this deserved the F cinema score no. that the audiences no. gave it? No. no. No, no, no. This movie tried at least. Right. Just uh it, you know if they would have fixed that ending, it it only took like 25 seconds to fix. They could have it would have been pretty high up there for me to be honest. Um but definitely not an F rating now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this and The Grudge are the two movies I got F ratings this year. And I watched The Grudge, and I didn't think that deserved an F rating either. But I, I can kind of understand why casual moviegoers would give this an F because of that ending. Because it's just like... It just you, ends. It just ends. And, there, like, there's no resolution or anything. And, and, I mean, what did you guys think of... Like it ends, and then we go to this really weird title card with like the hand going well, across the I like wall. The song. I'll, I'll tell. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. So I saw it in theaters right when it originally came out. My wife and I sat through the whole credits thinking there was more because we were like, "What the fuck?" We were fucking like convinced that there was more because there was no way it could end. We sat through those whole goddamn credits thinking, "Well, there's gonna show something. It's gonna be a teaser, or, like a flash or something." Nope. Lights went on, and that was it. It's like, what the fuck? You know the poster's misleading, too, because you only saw the ghost hands, like, one time. Like, they lead you to believe that the ghost is taking care of a little girl, which isn't the case. But Yeah, and one of the big controversies of this film at the time when it was released was that the trailer was also misleading. Uh, there's one point in the trailer where you see, like, this giant spider come out of Finn Wolfhard's face. and Really? That, that never that. happens. Uh, I, I watched the trailer to put it into this episode, you know, and yeah, there's some scenes in there. They're straight up just not in the movie. So you guys want to take a crack at what the rating on IMDb is for this out of 4,922 votes? Ooh, Probably I'm going like to say, yeah, I was going to say around a four. That's 3.7. Yeah. And the it's, meta score is 35. Yeah, it's just, it's that ending, man. It, it just killed this whole movie. And I, I totally blame the director on, on this one. And I, I, I remember she did come out and defend it, I believe. Um, oh, God, I can't remember exactly what she said. I kind of wish I had it. Um, I kind of want to see an interview with her and her explain it. Right. I, I tried to get her on, honestly, but I never she got probably, her. She's probably getting a bunch of <laughs> shit talking. Yeah, right. She's probably not. With the reception this thing got, she probably doesn't want to do many interviews about it. But uh, what is she? Has she done? My phone's dead, but has she done anything else? Like, She's directed some episodes of, um, let's see here. Oops, sorry. I didn't hate the movie while I'm pulling this up. Um, uh, Daredevil, which is a great show on Netflix. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, another good show. Um, and then she's like Katy Perry stuff. Uh, so is this the first movie she did? She has 85 directing credits. Oh, oh wow. Just, just looking through it, yeah, it appears so. Wow. A lot of music videos. And I also read that this is actually getting adapted for season two of Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. 
I think Steven brought that up in his. News Did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, oh, yeah. She direct... no, it's just it's. She directed a movie called The Runaways, but I never saw that. Oh, with that Kristen Stewart. I don't know. I think it is. Um. Okay. Well, I guess let's rate it. Would you guys give it out of ten? This movie is so hard to rate. Um, just cause like I did, I was liking it up until that ending. But man, that ending just totally kills it. Um, it's not like the worst movie of the year. It, I don't think it. It won't make like the my worst of the year list or anything like that. Cause it, I mean, it was pretty decent up until that point. But the ending just totally kills it for me. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with five on this one. Ooh, and uh, so I'm keeping the score that I had back in the day, and that was a 6.5. It's like a middle film for me. I did really enjoy it. Uh, I felt the I love ghost films, and this was a good ghost film. Uh, I was tense throughout. I really was like, it had my attention the whole thing to see kind of what this whole like twist was. But fortunately, the ending really killed it because it could have been a 7.5. But with that ending, it's a 6.5 for me. I mirror that completely, but I give it a slightly higher one with 6.75 because I was into it, like truly into it, and I was felt so cheated by that ending. Right, which is why I – so I was like at around a 7, um, and then once that ending hit, it just automatically drops it down to a 5 for me just because like it just – it's unforgivable for me, and it just like I – just, I just can't forgive it, and that's why I get to drop it so low. Didn't you guys say they reshot a new ending and released it with a new ending? Supposedly, which I haven't seen yeah. yet. Yeah, you have to buy the movie to get it. So, right. well, I'm I'm probably gonna buy it. So, yeah, I watched to... it streaming though, and I still had that shitty ending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, something, Joe's just completely off topic. Something you said, Joe, and I'm curious. Do you guys rate the movie while you're watching it? Yeah, uh, everything starts at a ten for me. Yeah, because when I'm watching a movie, I'll be like, okay, this is an eight right now. Then something happens, nope, it's, it's now a seven. <laughs> or, yeah. oh, I like that. It's now an eight again. You know, I, I kind of rate in my head as I'm watching it. So it's one nope. of those weird things I do. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Like, I'll be like, okay, this movie's like a, a seven right now. And then I'll, I'll be like, let's see how it ends or something, you know. And that ending could totally change it. So, yeah. And for this one, the ending, you know, I there are some movies where I'm at a seven and then the ending brings me up to an eight eight and a half maybe yeah. even a nine whereas this one dropped it all the way to a five for me so yeah everything's at a 10 if i see a bad cgi it knocks down a point yeah um but yeah the blu-ray has an alternate ending but i'm not gonna buy it for 1996 i'll wait for that to drop to like 6.99 or so i'll honestly probably just wait for it to like show up on the ending to show up on youtube and like oh just, you know what yeah it probably is now yeah <laughs> it could be yeah so I'll check out that alternate ending when it hits YouTube or whatever. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah, actually, interested to see uh, what, what, what it is. Yeah, I just I read that. Uh, explain a little better. Yeah, uh, there's something on IMDb that I, I'm going to read because it kind of explains, I guess, what their interpretation of the end was. So it says, the movie illustrates how Kate turned into a lunatic housed in an asylum, hence the title. This is alluded to in the beginning when the eye of an older woman reliving the attack, the previous nanny is cut into the eye of Kate, portrayed by Mackenzie Davis, suggesting that they are the same person. The flashback opens with Kurt Cobain's suicide, which occurred in 1994, chronicling a young Kate. The scene depicting Kate escaping with the children is imagined. 
And what truly occurred was the scene shown in the succeeding flashback where the children note that Kate is crazy when she asks them if they've seen ghosts. In the last scene, Kate is horrified when she realizes that it is she who is being held in the asylum and not her mother. When paused, the figure Kate is frightened by in the pool is simply the woman portrayed by Joelle Richardson, her older self in present day. This explains the drawings on the pool wall of Kate recollecting her horrible experience at the mansion. So, yeah. So, 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 so your theory then? No. Uh, in my theory, the whole thing was in her head, whereas in this theory, the whole thing is real up until the escape scene, which doesn't really happen. She just goes crazy and goes into an asylum. Yeah. Kind of what my theory was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <sighs> I still yeah. would have preferred it fleshed out. It's it's a shame. I, I I honestly think if they flesh it out a little bit better, um, this this movie would have been like probably like a a high seven, maybe even an eight for me. So yeah, I mean it's just it's a shame that you know the director fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my words, thirty years this could be a cult classic. I could see it. I I just I don't know. I just maybe maybe if the alternate ending is pretty good. It could totally change it. Kind of yes. like the, um, you know, I was talking about the, I think I talked about this on the show, but like, kind of like the, uh, the My Bloody Valentine cut. Like, I wa- I went and saw like the theatrical release of it, um, on Valentine's Day, and it's not nearly as good as the, uh, the, uh, unrated cut where like they show like the gore scenes and stuff. So, I mean, that's yeah. not even all the gore either. Right. Yeah, that's a shame. They lost that. No. Yeah. Same thing with Event Horizon. They lost the unrated cut for that too, bastards. Sons of bitches. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I still recommend it. It's a good talking point, and it's got some great stuff in it still. And I and think yeah. it's yeah, I think it's definitely a good movie to uh, watch like with a group of friends and then kind of discuss it after because it's just like there's it's a movie. Right after I saw it, I wanted to like talk about it with people. Right, which is what, so when I saw it originally, because we, we intended to review this in January, but usually when we do a film, we have one person watch it first to kind of engage it, and those were pretty much my exact thoughts. It's it's okay, uh, it's got, but it's great to discuss. It's like just one of those films, but I didn't think people should pay for it to go see it in the theaters. But if you no. see it online some or something, definitely uh, check it out, especially yeah. if they add the ending. They should really add the ending. And yeah, I mean it's available. Yeah, I mean it's available VOD now, so mm-hmm. I mean you can you can get it for pretty cheap now. Yes. All right. Well, that's it, huh? Yeah, so next week, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna have another vote. So we're each gonna pick two Stephen King films, and we're gonna put up on our pages where you can vote which one we review next week. And I'm looking forward to it because there's a lot. Stephen King does a lot of uh, stories and a lot of them have been adapted. So it's going to be interesting to see which ones you guys pick and which one we review. So I think it'll be a fun episode uh, yeah. to do. I, I think we're all picking kind of uh, known Stephen King ones in a way. We're obviously, I don't think anyone's picking The Shining or Carrie or anything like that. So. Nah. Yeah, no, exactly. We're kind of going on the, maybe not like the super obscure stuff. I actually yeah. watched one called Riding the Bullet yesterday. I love Riding the Bullet. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting film. Pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> uh, it'll be my watch. I'm going to do like all Stephen King watch next week. So whatever nice. you guys don't pick, 
I might do that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be in the chances. And just look on also social media uh, for that voting. It should be pretty soon because some of the movies are really yeah. long. So uh, probably be up Saturday, I would assume. We'll put up right. the poll so that way will give us time to watch the, whatever wins. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Yes, right. yes, yes. Stick around for the interview. Mark, yeah, uh, Mark Myers, director of We Summon the Darkness and My Friend Dahmer. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, and welcome back, where tonight we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, genre fans will know him best for My Friend Dahmer and his most recent release, uh, We Summon the Darkness, which is currently uh, streaming VOD. Uh, Mark Myers. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Nice to nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so let's just get right into it. We we summon the darkness. Uh, how how'd you get involved in this? Well, after my friend Dahmer, um, the producers, the original producers of the project, uh, sent me the script. Um, so I guess my friend Dahmer led them to think I'd be good for this, and so I was fortunate to to read it, respond to it really quickly. I gave it to my producing partner, Jody Jurgenti, um, to get her take on it and sat there in our office and watched her also laugh out loud at the, at the mm -hmm. humor, what it, what it, what it was about and um, saw her fall for the same twists. And so I was like, yeah, that's what I suspected. And we got, on, we all got on the phone and talked about it. Um, and I was, you know, I was, I was in immediately. I was really excited. Um, I thought this was kind of in the same vein of genre filmmaking that I had first experienced by making Dahmer. It's just that this goes further. It's louder, bloodier, right. <laughs> wilder. And so I felt like where I had left off with my friend Dahmer, um, this was a good place to go to next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I mean, obviously Dahmer has a lot, you know, more, a little bit more serious tone, obviously. Um, do you, yeah. did you find, do you find it harder to, you know, add that comedy into the horror genre or do you, did you enjoy doing the, the horror comedy aspect here? Oh, I love doing it. I mean, there's a lot of humor on the page. One thing that we did, I did do is when we were getting ready to get closer to production, it was starting to feel more like a reality. Um, and, um, I, I spent a few days with the, uh, with the screenwriter via Skype cause I'm based in New York and he was based in uh, California. And I went through the script with him and took out, I guess there were a couple things I took out, which was some of the sort of wink, wink, self-aware comedy lines that I thought were not in, in my style of trying to make this feel as authentic as possible and not have the characters kind of, you know, be aware of the ridiculousness that they're in, but just try to survive. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was, and, and, and with that, it just sort of that, that and some other tweaks to the script allowed it to kind of be more, much more in my pocket. And, you know, I love comedy. I'm, this might be the first thing I've done that's so overtly funny. And that was part of the thing that I was drawn to. Um, and I hope to do more comedy. Um, you know, I would, I just did a movie, uh, directed a movie this fall. Um, and after that, I was, I was thinking, God, it would be fun to do something like Animal House. You know, there's, yeah. there's just a lot of different kinds of movies to kind of explore. So hopefully I get a chance to do 
some more comedy pretty soon. Cool. So is that is that like more what you're thinking? Would you like to kind of get away from the horror genre, or is that something you you'd like to you know stick with? I you know I don't the the filmmakers that I'd really really admire. If you look at the kind of films they've done, they they don't sort of stay always in one genre. Right. And so for me, it's about other things. Like, it, does the story feel relevant? If I'm writing it as well, I'm I'm gonna write something I feel like says something, um, but doesn't say something in a preachy way because it's also a piece of entertainment. So um, I just look for good stories with good characters and whatever genre it may be in, that's part of the challenge to either play into that genre or know what that is and to play against those expectations. Um, but that, that, that comes for me a little bit later down the road. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just whatever is the great story is really the short answer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I heard you mention, you know, some film, what are, who are some filmmakers uh, that inspired you? For each movie, they kind of change. You know, there's like different set of films that I may look to that I feel like are kind of related to whatever I'm working on. So the first thing I mentioned to the producers when we first got on the phone was, oh, this could be a little bit like, or at least have a mix of um, Daisy Confused and Clockwork Orange. Mm. Um, And that's kind of why when you see some of our main characters in the kill room, um, they're, they're sort of framed in a way that is a throwback or honoring the way in which Kubrick framed those three guys in white at the top of the film you know this sort of uh villains that are in this frame where there's one in the foreground and two flanking our main villain um and so clockwork orange was was one for this movie looked at panic room um you know you know all of these filmmakers had way more resources than i did but they're great guideposts um i looked at funny game funny games Mm -hmm. um little dazed and confused, but after doing My Friend Dahmer, I felt like that kind of casual period piece with, you know, young people having fun, um, that was right already kind of something I was, had done in the high school in My Friend Dahmer, and this was fun to sort of go into the heavy metal parking lot world. We also looked at heavy metal parking lot, the documentary, as a point of reference um, in regards to kind of hairstyle, wardrobe, behavior, um, awful mustaches, all that other kind of stuff. Um, There's a long list of films, but I feel like those were a few early reference points. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, period pieces, you you know, with Dahmer, obviously we we were in the 70s and now this one, we're in the 80s. And I, I mean, the aesthetic in this movie really, you know, is, is, is really authentic i mean it feels really great um cool you know did you come to any challenges doing that or you know did it come pretty naturally well we went to winnipeg canada for filming and um whoops sorry and so uh in in somebody of mine just called sorry about that um so in winnipeg we found this hero house that we filmed at and so that that exterior is the actual exterior that probably was a house built in the early to mid eighties. So it fit perfectly. We filmed inside that house, but had to convert the sort of furniture and the wallpaper to bring it back 
to sort of the mid eighties, late eighties kind of aesthetic. Um, I love to answer your question. I kind of just love building a, a world set in a very specific time period. Um, and it allows the actors and I to really feel like we, we, you know, helps us kind of play in that, in that space. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, I know you had a couple questions if you want to jump in. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, this is a question that you actually asked in the film, and I was curious on your answer uh, personally. Uh, what was your first concert? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, my buddy Dan in high school called me. He's like, hey, you want to go to a concert in Madison Square Garden see Squeeze? And I was like, yeah. I didn't even know who Squeeze was, but I was like, to go to a concert <laughs> was fun. I followed that up with um, some Van Halen and uh, um, U2, I think. Um, uh, you know, this was like middle school, uh, early high school. I don't really remember. Um, James Taylor. You know, it was a little bit of everything. I never got to see Guns N' Roses. And I remember that. Oh, you know what I remember? I, go, I remember going on the train into New York City to go see Squeeze with a bunch of my friends and some other guys I knew from other other schools um, from the neighborhood and stuff, they were all drinking out of the bottle on their way to go see Aerosmith at the Meadowlands. And so I was definitely not with the heavy metal crowd on that, that train going into New York City, but um, I think half of those guys passed out in the middle of that concert and didn't see it. At least I... I made it sober through Squeeze. I listen to a lot more Aerosmith these days than I do Squeeze. Right. Um, uh, in this movie, you meld heavy metal and horror, and there are two genres that have melded a lot in the past. Is that one of the things that attracted you to this project? Yeah, I like, you know, uh, genre filmmaking's fun, but it's also fun to kind of know what it is and and kind of, maybe dance around it so so that like for example with my friend Dahmer I didn't view it as really a genre film as I viewed it as like a horrifying coming of age tale I knew that it was great for the for sort of the genre community and it was it was my first experience sharing a film at that those festivals and I came to really experience how supportive and enthusiastic that kind of um festival and community can be um and because of that experience it really got me really excited to do we summon in response um and so for this you know i knew i you know we knew like i wanted to make it pulpy i knew it was more metal so it was louder in your face um wilder and i knew that applied you know as a horror film much more than like a character-driven drama but after that, I, I'm not kind of like too aware of or care to sort of play into what I think the audience expects um, or demands sh what should be in the film and just try to tell the best story possible. And then once you get in the edit room, you start, you know, you start sculpting it a little bit further and finding finding ways to play into the eeriness more and more in this case or ratcheting up the level of suspense and the movie just keeps growing in a certain way while you sort of keep working on it. 
Thanks. And um, one of the interesting things about this movie, uh, I don't know if you had say in this, but is the casting of Johnny Knoxville as the pastor. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what it was like working with Johnny Knoxville? Cool. Well, um, well, he got cast closer to production. So we were already up in Winnipeg in the production office. And by that point, the three women had already been cast. Most of the um, the guys had also already been attached. And I can't say that Johnny Knoxville was my original idea. We weren't we weren't we weren't there, but we got a phone call that, you know, one of the producers must have been talking to some of the reps and agents with the casting director about other possibilities or possibilities now that we're finally focusing on the pastor and it arose as an opportunity. And so we were just like, oh, yeah, totally. So then Johnny came in to, to do um, all of his scenes pretty much in one day. That's the way it was scheduled. So everything he had to film it was in one long day. Um, and he came in like any actor, fully prepared, ready. I think it's really hard for any actor to arrive in the middle of filming to join as a, like a lead a lead cast member because it's kind of like a moving train. You're not really sure what kind of movie you're entering into because the style's kind of taking shape ahead of you being there. And so we had a couple conversations about what that was, which is really just, you know, play it as real as possible. I'm not going for anything that's kind of campy or overly uh, over, you know, over the top. It's over a top and enough. I don't need to add to it. And uh, he he just jumped right in. I have to. He really made all of the actresses that had any kind of action sequence or stunt with him very feel very very safe. That was um, a real concern of his. And we had to plow through so many scenes that we just uh, I tried to give him as many opportunities in each of the setups as possible. And he's just such a nice person that we had just a great time together and just naturally with this movie the more you work together the weirder the day starts to feel just by nature of the subject matter so by the end of the day we were just looking at each other at four in the morning going that was wild you know <laughs> he, by lunch he probably already killed somebody on scene on on set in a scene and by the end of the day he was you know killing more people <laughs> right <laughs> i mean the, the whole cast in this movie um just is really impressive, and especially Alexandra Daddario. Um, you know, I think she gives a kind of a tour de force performance here. Uh, can you can you speak a little on her? Yeah, uh, Alex, she's wonderful. She was the first actor to sign on to the project, and we immediately hit it off, and kind of made a pact together to see this movie through. So we we stayed committed to um, making sure that the production was in a good place for us, and that we. Um, you know, we just stayed in touch during all the sort of early steps to get a movie ready. And so when, and she was just waiting and, I, and then I said, it's time to come up or the producers had gotten everything in place and she joined. Um, and so during that entire process, and it's very hard with an indie to get everything off the ground, we just kept talking, seeing each other in New York, getting, getting a drink or having lunch and talking about how things were developing. It was very important to me that I had, um, looked for a new DP that worked in this sort of genre space a bunch, but I also wanted a, uh, a woman cinematographer. I thought it was important for the women to feel 
comfortable with the cinematographer that was looking out for their their they were sensitive to their appearance and not sort of trying to exploit their their beauty in any way and i also just wanted that collaboration and i had i found that with Tarin, and that allowed um you know i think that also added to the quality of just you know alex just feeling free to lose her shit and become <laughs> maniacal um um and she surprised me every day but we had a really good time together i don't honestly to kind of i don't really remember the the sort of like back and forth on every day it was a while ago but you know we had a we had a blast yeah. how long ago did you guys film this we filmed it in september of 2018 for 16 days okay awesome uh so i want to uh kind of go over to my friend Dahmer for a little bit because i am actually i'm a big fan of that movie um thank you yeah um have you always been, you know, interested in, you know, serial killers in general, or was this film just kind of, you know, pre presented to you? I mean, actually, you did write it as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I mean, I, if after Dahmer, I've done these three films I've directed. Uh, we Summon the Darkness, Human Capital, which is also out right now with Liev Schreiber, Alex Wolf, who's in My Friend Dahmer as well, Maya Hawke, Marissa Tomei, Peter Sarsgaard, and a much, you know, and the... And the a whole ensemble cast and I didn't write that one either and then I just did another movie um called All My Life with Jessica Roth and Harry Shum um and all of those movies I didn't write but My Friend Dahmer was you know I'd written directed a, a few films prior leading up to My Friend Dahmer and none of them were sort of genre and I can't say that I'm uh, a serial killer aficionado but I have spoken a bunch about what it must be like to be a teenager who will one day become a serial killer given that movie um what that came out is i had my first indie that i did called harvest i remember saying to jody my producing partner you know it would be an interesting subject matter for an indie would be a portrait of a serial killer as a young boy and so i thought i was going to look at james joyce's portrait portrait of the artist of course, I was an English major and use that as like a template to sort of be about a young kid who, you know, discovers or starts to realize that he may be a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And so I had that sort of that own idea. And then I also Jody and I were looking for naturalistic graphic novels, you know, not necessarily superhero tales, but things about real people and thought that the graphic novel was an interesting uh place for source material as many movies have been taken from from graphic novels as of late and i happened to go to comic-con in new york in 2012 and was walking around i was meeting with some of the publishers that had booths and one publisher abrams comic arts um mentioned that there was this book they were looking forward to putting out next year that no one had seen yet and from underneath the table they handed me an advanced reader copy of my friend Dahmer. And that was the melding of these two things that were of interest to me, graphic novels and a portrait of a serial killer as a young boy, but even better because it's based on a real character. And so at that point, we made an arrangement and optioned the book. And then I started doing some research trips to go hang out with the author. And he took me back to where he grew up, south of Cleveland. I went to the actual Dahmer house and got a real lay of the land. Um, and all of that research led to some rewrites of the script that really kind of helped it kind of be what it what it became. Um, 
And so, but then, you know, you then realize, oh, we're all kind of fascinated by true crime and weird personalities that live on the edges of our psyche. Um, and, and I came to really recognize how much that's a fascination for so many people and also great make, can really make a good movie. <laughs> Fucked up characters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, Ross Lynch um, playing Dahmer. Um, I mean, he just, I mean, what what a performance from him. Um, I think maybe surprised some people, obviously, coming from his background, doing, uh, you know, a lot of Disney stuff. Um, so how, how is he to work with? Ross is great. I mean, any of these actors that start very young are, are really true professionals. I mean, if they started in the sort of that Disney environment like he did, but you think, you know, Ryan Gosling did too, Justin Timberlake. Um, the list is is long. Um, and so, you know, he might have been 19 or 20 at the time of um, of filming, but he had been already been working easily for probably a decade. Um, and, you know, the because that's such an infamous character, it was a long detailed search of meeting with many, many young actors to find one that not only could play the part, but also would look the part. And I honestly didn't even realize how closely he would look the part until he came on set and would put those glasses on and put him in the 70s attire. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had the best collaboration together. Like, I think I might have driven him a little bit mad because we knew that's what had to happen to the character. And I definitely recall whispering some really dark things in his ear to kind of help him stay in that space. But he's an actor who fully, fully commits. Um, he's originally a dancer. So I've also find some of these dancer turned actors really just are incredible performers. They sort of act from head to toe. And so he just had the gait and the posture and that weird look in his eyes. He's a, and he's a really intelligent, intuitive guy, too. Um, just to give you one little tidbit, I remember right before we started filming, the author, Durf Backdurf, and I and Ross all had lunch um, to allow Ross to ask any other questions he may have of the one guy that actually knew the real Jeffrey Dahmer in high school. And uh, he, uh, one thing he asked, he goes, what was Jeff's eye contact like? And it was something the author hadn't really thought about much over the course of reading or writing the book, nor was it something that was like on the top of my mind. But from an actor's point of view, it so defines how he moves through the world. Does he look at his friends, look them straight in the eye? Does he kind of talk without making eye contact? Does he keep his head low or does he stand poised? And, and you know, you can see by the portrayal of Dahmer in the movie, how much that that one question really did help inform how how he kind of tackled the role. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Alex Wolf, obviously amazing as well, who later you know went on to star in uh, Hereditary, which was. Um, have you seen Hereditary? Yeah, I mean, he went and did that right after we filmed My Friend Dahmer. He might have been home for a little bit of time, then went off and did that. So mm -hmm. it was great to see the success that he's yeah. had since and then he's in the jumanji movies mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and then he and then i just did human capital with him too he he's in uh 
he he becomes a love interest of my hawk in human capital. Um, he's tremendous. He's a real tremendous actor. Definitely. Um, all right, we'll just we'll get ready to wrap up here. Um, do you want to tell us about uh, you know any upcoming projects you got coming up or anything else about We Summon the Darkness you'd like to tell the fans about? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm just grateful that we're doing this podcast. I, yeah. you know, big fans. I'm excited that you guys, you know, wanted to talk about it. And it's it's out on, you know, we're all home right now, right? And this movie, yeah. was, this movie was, sm- <laughs> it was meant to be played in a theater loud. <laughs> and and maybe that'll happen later on for the journey of this movie. But in the meantime, while we're all home, you can get it on iTunes, Amazon, I think Vudu, any of your cable video on demand services um, by your provider, whatever that may be. And um, and there's if you buy it, there's some cool um, DVD extras that are immediately available. There was a nice documentary that they put together about the sort of making of the movie behind the scenes and interviewing some of the cast and the screenwriter and I did a, a DVD commentary as well. Um, and it's meant to be played loud in whatever state of mind you may be in while you're home <laughs> during this odd, scary time. Um, and then in the future, there's a couple things that I'm working on. You know, I'm in post in all my life. And I'm looking forward to having some quiet time to write, uh, revisit some other scripts and and write some new stuff. Um, that's where I'm at. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. We really appreciate it. Uh, you coming on and, uh, good luck and everyone make sure go support indie horror. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh.